Hey, what's up, podcast? Right before we get into it today, I want to uh, give a quick plug for my Fresh Fridays email newsletter that I'm getting out there. So really excited to get this going and talk about some of the um, different perspectives I think that we're going to see happening in the sales and marketing landscape. And um, honestly, you know, it's one of those things where I'm going to put everything into it as far as how I'm managing this whole working from home movement where I was on the road a lot, got my workouts. I'm going to be sharing in there as well, the progress I'm down 20 pounds. So that's a big, that's a big deal to me right now. So just want to plug away on, on that and go to salesculture.work. And so you can uh, subscribe and join it. I'll have a text message service later on too. Nothing but motivational stuff, nothing, nothing that's going to be spammy and heavy. But if you're interested, go to salesculture.work, jump on that fresh thought Friday newsletter. All right, let's get into today's show. What's up, sales culture? I'm your host, Joe Lemon. Welcome back to the podcast. And today I got a special guest for you. I got a sales leader, a sales executive, especially through in the tech startup landscape. He's in right there in, in the whole valley. He's in the whole Silicon Valley. So he's in it, mold sales leaders. He's helped groom them along the way. And he specializes in really setting up SDRs. And so these are people that are on the ground getting the appointments for you. So I'm really excited to bring on Derek Williams onto the podcast. And he also has his own consulting business called Three Link Sales. So you guys should definitely check him out. Uh, and I'll have all of his links and you know, all of the ways that you can reach him on IG and everything in, in the actual show notes. But right before we get into today's conversation, I want I want to bring up some of the matters that we're that we're really getting into. And when we think about how do we see change through, that's one of the things me and Derek get into on the actual podcast is how do we go from where we are now today and how do we link up with people that share our actual values, right? And one of the things I'm really big on right now is not trying to sell anybody who doesn't want to be sold, right? So I'm only I'm only speaking to the people that are interested in, you know, trying to figure out how do you kind of flatten out this curve of injustice, right? How do we find out, you know, and, and what type of moves do we need to make so we can try to have different conversations? And I believe a lot of it starts with, one, showing empathy and getting different voices in the room. So with a lot of these companies, you see them taking some stands, you see them come out with action plans, and I love it. I think it's great. I love what Ben and Jerry's is doing. I love what I heard about Reddit. Derek's gonna talk about that later on in the actual show, but there's companies that are willing to make some serious moves and take some serious stands, and I believe you have to get off the fence. You can't be on the fence with what with with what's happening today, right? You know, with, with the whole COVID situation, and it's looking like we're having another uptick on that. Like, it's not the time for you to play it safe and be quiet and think you're going to be able to hide and sweep this one under the rug and let it pass by it. No, this, this is hopefully here to stay and hopefully keep this conversation going so we can address some of these real issues that have been going on for some time. So, and I believe the one of the best ways to do that is to get diverse voices in the room. A lot of people to have a seat at the table to where you can understand and show empathy and really allow that to, you know, build that throughout your whole company org right because the reality is like you hang out with people that look like you who who probably talk like you that are from the same area as you and you're having a limited view of what's going on here in the u.s so with that said guys i know you guys are going to appreciate this man Derek brings a ton of heat to it so sit back and enjoy this conversation with Derek williams and please go if you want to learn more if you want to connect with me if you have some some actual ideas of action plans that companies should be taking you can feel free to reach out to me at info at sale, salesculture.work or you can go to salesculture.work drop me a line and i would love to you know link up with you guys there and if you like this conversation Go tell a friend about it so they can tell a friend about it. Word of mouth is still the best marketing, but it also helps if you go to Spotify and drop a review or Apple. I don't mind. Spotify and Apple dominate the space. So either of those platforms, man, is, it'd be much love, much appreciated. All right. That's enough plugging away. Let's get into it. How many different podcasts have you done, man? Three, three or four. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. but so, but so guys like yourself who have done a couple podcasts, but you're always on the phone. Like, you know, you having conversations, navigating different type of questions is that's just kind of like in your whole blood of training, do. it seems like. Right. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. Man. So, man. So, you know, um, I'm excited to have you onto the podcast. So welcome on Derek Williams onto the Sales Conscious Show. Thank you. 
Happy man. to be here, man. Been, it's been long overdue. We've been connected for a long time. I was about to say, man. I mean, I mean, honestly, you know, it's it's been one of those things where I've been watching you online, mainly on IG, and I watch your stories, man. And you bring up a lot of great conversations. I love the topics around how you got to be focused, and I love the things around leadership. And then you just bring in like nice tidbits of stats, man. And you don't see that a lot on like IG. My whole thing these days is trying to like cut down on the, on the amount of fluff that you see, and you just right, want right, actionable right. like takeaways once you're kind of on the actual. Uh, different type of platforms man so you know tell me some more about your background man so where are you from like how'd you get into sales like that whole story life real quick okay yeah uh well well, i hope i don't put you to sleep with it but uh, no i i started i started in b2b sales quite some time ago man 98 was the first time uh, i was in a inside sales position (laughs) excuse me and uh you know i got that by why I have a, you know, a recommendation, someone that I went to high school with, because in 98, I was, I had just graduated. Okay. And, um, you know, at the time I had a baby, you know, I had started family early, so I need, I need to work. I was working in retail and I was you know, 18 years old and I got a call that uh, a friend of mine's um, looking to hire a, you know, a sales rep. So anyways, I mean, 98, I was getting paid, I don't know, 10 bucks an hour, 12 bucks an hour, you know, and yeah, yeah, plus yeah. a little bit of commission. Yeah. It was a different time, but, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a good breeding ground. It was a semiconductor company uh, on one side of the house, and they also did contract manufacturing on the other side of the house for electronic components. So I learned a lot about the game, and you know I was able to fast track my career a lot. I was able to earn some money, um, establish some really good friendships and connections, and you know I really thought I already that I was sales was kind of built for me. You know my dad had been in sales uh, okay. when, when I was com- coming up, so it's you know, I remember blood. sitting around. Yeah, it's kind of in my blood. I tell people that a lot. You know I remember I literally sitting around. Uh, his desk at home and watching him prepare like a compensation plan. Like he had a little spreadsheet and he was uh, showing me how the commissions break down. And um, I mean, I was 10, 12, (laughs) seeing that stuff. Uh, And and he had always been in sales too. And anyway, so I think that's definitely where it stems from. It's definitely definitely in the blood. But ever since that point, you know, 98 on, I I stayed in sales roles. and, you know, I, I, I always go back to the one that taught me the most, I think, just in terms of um, being persistent and, you know, uh, just getting after it was actually selling vacuums. I, it's kind of a funny story, but, you know, I, I fell into it by accident. I kind of got sold on, you know, come down to this interview. It was an interview with 30 other people. And, yeah. you know, it, you started seeing that multi-level marketing thing brewing. And, you know, because, again, I had sat through all those seminars with dad coming up, too. Sure. And, yeah, so... I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to be a sucker for this. They start throwing out some money figures. And I said, wow, well, I know I can sell and I know I can hustle six days a week, at least 10 hours a day. They drop you off in a corner. You'd have some flyers. You hit the side of the block, come back, your van leader would come and get you. And if you didn't have any demos, you know, people that you, doors you had knocked on and people had accepted you to come in and show them how the, the, the Kirby works. It was, it was Kirby back. Get out of here, man. Yeah, so wait, was, you were selling Kirby backs? Yeah, I was selling Kirby. Dude, that right was out. my first sales gig. That's oh, how I got see. broken into it. Kirby Max, man. Like every time we talk, man, we always got some crazy type of synergy. <laughs> it's crazy, like that. Right? Yeah, I mean, see, I mean, literally, as you were talking about, I was like, man, this better not be Kirby Max, man, because yeah. it, was, it was like a fifteen hundred dollar vacuum cleaner. Twenty five. So once I came on to it, I, I was probably a little bit right, right behind immediate. you. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that the whole price dropped a little bit, a little bit. Probably, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we had financing options, yeah. the bank <laughs> of course, cash. Of course, you know, of course. We, you, they, they trained you, you know, they trained yeah. you how to pre-qualify somebody before you even talk to them, right? So you talk about mm-hmm. qualification frameworks and all that in B2B today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they would call them A loans, B loans, and C loans. You would mm-hmm. look at the house and see if it's a two-story house with a manicured lawn with two new cars in the parking right. lot, A loan. If it was a nice house with a not-so-manicured lawn and, and older cars, B loan. If yeah. it was maybe uh, a condo, so on and so forth, C loan, right? And so you skip past the C loans, hit the B loans, oh man, and hit the A loans hard. And that's how that was the language we used. Yeah. So we were profiling people right away. But, anyways, man, that that's whole hustle, uh, anybody, yeah. yeah, anybody who's done any kind of door door selling. But I think Kirby Vacuum specifically, because they have a whole program they take you through and how to position, how to rebuttal, right? They mm-hmm. teach you about how to positioning questions right and how to uh fact find and you know tell me about your credit situation or you know you know do you have allergy issues and so anyways i think getting that hardcore training 
you know, uh, at hardcore training, if you, if you will, uh, as like a boot camp for a year, you know, and I did well, you know, I remember I won a bike that I gave to my mom. I won a TV. I, won, I mean, I was making money too. I had a new car and, um, Anyway, so I got out of that and I got back into B2B positions because I needed medical benefits. Another kid was on the way, so on and so forth. So fast track, um, I'm 24, I have three kids and I had just started working at Verizon as an outside sales rep. And that was my first outside B2B role. Uh, I had done major accounts on an inside sales rep position, some telesales stuff before that. Uh, but you know, the, the Verizon days was, that was a four-year run. That was that was probably the heyday, I would say, right before the iPhone dropped. Mm -hmm. So that, that give you some some give you a milestone there. But that's kind of the origin there as well. As you know, when you go to a big company like that, they have really structured training programs, mm -hmm. right? And so for the first two years, I was an individual contributor. I was managing territories in the Central Valley between Merced and Modesto, and I went through a few managers. And every time we went through a manager, I would always apply. And on the third time, I mean, the second time, I thought I had it for sure, didn't happen. And so I kind of threw, you know, gave up on applying for management roles. I was 26, you know, yeah. so I just figured I'd just keep my head down and keep selling and, you know, and, and do my thing. And I had a, a healthy territory. My customers knew me, the prospects knew me. I mean, it was, a, you know, it was Modesto, California for those that know the Central Valley. And, um, did really well. And then I got a call from the, the associate director for the region. He said, Hey man, are you still looking at being a manager? And coincidentally, and this, this, this is a lesson for people, right? Things may not always work out the way that they're supposed to, but things always work out. I thought, you know, Hey, I didn't get the Modesto management, role, the Sacramento, Sacramento management role. I'm not, I'm not going to be a manager at Verizon, even though I had been a peer manager, right? Every time we went through a manager, I was the guy coaching all the new reps. I was the one taking them in the field. I would go on their appointments with them. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I get a call and he says, hey, San Jose is open. And just to give you some more backtrack, I was in San Jose originally. That's kind okay. of, you know, I started out in Monterey, born and raised in Monterey, moved to Santa Clara High School. And so San Jose was home. And to my uh, you know, girlfriend at the time, mother of my kids, the opportunity to move back from the Central Valley to the Bay Area was, was ideal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I took the promotion and I commuted from the Central Valley to San Jose for a while. And, uh, we did really well. We were out of 10 teams in Northern California. The team was ranked number nine when I took oh, over, wow. right? And so we had retooled the team in terms of people, process, uh, and, and the tools. And in the first year, we got up to number one. So I got, you know, some out achievement, uh, out, uh, outstanding achievement awards, something I'm really proud of. Um, and then the iPhone dropped. And it shook up the whole game because, as you remember, AT&T had it first, had a, a first uh, right. one-year uh, first-mover advantage. And so their strategy at the time was they would come in to, uh, and I was selling to B2B, of course, so they would come to a CEO or CMO, and they would get him to buy one. And once you get the head, you know, sort of cut off, mm -hmm. the proverbial, uh, proverbial um, metaphor goes, you know, the, the body falls and that's what was happening. All these CEOs were getting planted with iPhones. And then as these deals that were in the pipe would start falling out because they were saying, no, we're going with, we're going with Apple. We're going with, you know, AT&T, we're going with AT&T. The executives are getting iPhones and everybody else is getting razors or something else. And so it was like overnight. And then, you know, it was 2008 kind of hit um, with the recession. So I stepped off, uh, stepped away and I, you know, resigned and did my own thing. I started a small business of my own at the time. And what did you do? What was the business? Um, so the business was, uh, at the time, medical cannabis. So I was I had a delivery You were back in like um, 08? 08, 09. Oh, you were early, man. Early, exactly. Yeah. So I had uh, a, a collective that I founded, and I had uh, sister collectives. So mm -hmm. my partners were you know, the Green Thumb, and they, had, they were experts and professionals at this. And so we were all kind of had interconnected. Uh, collectives and we would help each other and barter and trade and I had a patient list that I acquired through you know Craigslist and the network and you know I would have five to ten deliveries a day you know seven days a week and it was all around you know the Bay Area between San Jose and San Francisco and yeah. it was me and one other person running running the show so I was doing I did did fairly well but it, you know obviously it got a little shady and the practices a lot of a lot of uh, regulation came down so 
jumped out of that and went to work for Comcast, then went to Wise, which got bought by Dell, had a run, a fun run there, uh, inside sales, selling cloud computing. And then I started 3Link um, after, you know, a couple of runs with some startups. So that's, like I said, I hope I don't bore you, man. I, I've been doing this for 22 years in B2B sales. So that's wow. Yeah, I, I could. And my pops keeps telling me I need to write a book. Uh, Bro, it's time, man. I mean, man, it is definitely time to be book writing and all the rest of that good stuff during during these moments. I think I was sharing um, with you that I'm working on my book as well. And I'm a horrible writer. Can't spell for anything. Use broken language all the time. But I can do this straight podcast right through the mic, have it transcribed, and I'll let somebody else kind of clean it up for me. So, I mean, man, because 22 years of sales experience is impressive to me as a person that's been doing B2B for about 12 years. And literally, like, um, matter of fact, I gotta be honest with you too. So me and my wife are working on kids now, right? And my friends that had kids back in high school or kids like right as soon as they graduated, cause you know, everybody had kids at different times, right? Yep, and yep. at the time I was, happens. Like, I was like, bro, man, you know, EJ is one of my guys' uh, names. And I was like, EJ, man, it's mad stressful, bro. At home trying to manage everything as, as like a 19 year old, right? But now, looking at EJ, man, his kids, you know, about to, about to graduate. I'm sitting here like, you know, knees and like elbows <laughs> yeah. a little a little tight. I'm like, oh, man, I'm a little How jealous. How am I going to do this? How Come am I going to do this? <laughs> on, I got to wake up in the middle of the night? I, I mean, I don't have the energy for that anymore. You know? yeah, man, yeah. nothing but straight, you know. It's funny. Like that. No, that's, 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 that's my circle, bro. It's I a mean, beautiful thing, though, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's just, that's my circle. A lot of my friends, um, you know, their their kids are, in their, you know, are, are young, you mm-hmm. know, maybe three, four or five years old. Um, I mean, almost all of my friends that have kids for the most part, their, their kids are under 10. You know, my oldest is 22, middle daughter is 20 now. Um, my, my youngest is 16. And my oldest daughter who's 22, she has a three-year-old daughter. So I'm okay. grandpa D. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. And so that, that I mean, Grandpa I think though, that's 40, I'm, man. Come on. That's like beautiful. Not man. even, not even 39. Yeah, exactly. I'll okay. I'll be, yeah, I'll be 40 next month. Exactly. Dope. Um, but yeah, I mean, having kids really young, though, at the same time kind of gives you, some would say a disadvantage, but also gives you an advantage as Huge well. Advantage. You know, in terms of motivation and drive, um, you know, nobody wants to put their back against the wall, you know, and throw their hands up, right? But that's kind of what happened at some point was either you're going to make something of yourself. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, as you know, we've talked about it before, I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity to finish college. Um, you know, I had dropped out of high school and got the GED and I got into work real early before the B2B stuff. I was, you know, working restaurants and retail and, mm-hmm. you know, two, three jobs at a time just to, you know, kind of help out with, you know, the responsibilities and, you know, and so that, that it pushes you, and I think that instills some some work ethic and a level of you know drive and determination. You know, because you, you, you have to. If you don't, your kids ain't gonna have a formula. You know, you're not gonna you know, you're not gonna be able to pay the rent, so on and so forth. So, anyway, while a lot of my kid, friends were you know still living with their parents, you know, mm-hmm. the parents were paying for them to go to college. Yep. And um, yeah, man, it was it was tough. You know, I had to had to move myself out of a lot of circles and really you know, commit to, to my career. Right. And, uh, I was so committed to my career that I didn't do a good job of balancing it with the time that I was trying to get an education. I had, you know, I, I tried to go to healed college, which is a trades a trade business trade school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was going to try and do accounting and did about a year of it uh, and, and, and didn't complete it because I was just trying to focus on work and the family and, you know, I always regret that, right? I was, you know, it kind of hangs over my head and how much further could I have gone with my career, you know, over these 22 years, had I had that that piece of paper. And um, so I think that's that's a key message to people is like, yeah, you can do and go far without a degree if you work your ass off and you stay focused and do those things. But the reality is like, instead of having that lower trajectory, you can springboard yourself a lot further. And so I was just talking to the wife actually uh, yesterday um, with everything that's going on with um, the George Floyd protests and everybody is, you know, on, on the systemic oppression, and you just, you see this and it was happening in the world and you ask yourself, what, how can you really make a difference? How can you make a contribution? Yeah. And I feel like the best thing I can do is get educated mm-hmm. and put myself in a position where I can do that. Obviously I have some resources, some skills now, and you and I have talked through some ideas of things that we can do today, right. but long-term, yeah. I mean, for future generations that come up behind me and for my own self today, it's never too late. So even if, you know, I'm gonna, at some point I would, you know, I, like, 
putting it here on the podcast. I guess I have to follow through with it now. I was about to but say, got, man. We uh, got some breaking ride. news coming off. <laughs> well, once we once we uh, once we get through the IVF process and yes. we have the, and, we, and we get pregnant, yeah, you know, we're we're thirty days away from that. I'd say. Um, then yeah, I think the next thing is for me to, to, to enroll. My wife's almost done. She almost has to get a, a few credits. I have to basically start from scratch. So, um, you know, 40 year old signing up for a four year program, you know what I mean? Um, but I gotta get it done, dude. And if I do it now, I feel like, you know, while the, my, 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 my oldest children are older now, my granddaughter, she's three, she'll be seven, eight, nine, um, uh, my 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 child children would be four or five. I think the timing is is good, and I think if I put myself in a position to do something that it, instead of trying to go back just to make money, I want to do something that's more selfless, right? Maybe think I'm thinking about teaching as a as definitely an avenue that I that uh, have a passion for. Um, just through my time as a manager, I've always kind of saw myself as a teacher, not as necessarily as someone who's a, a manager and you know. You know displaying uh, cracking orders just you know trying to teach people how to do, be good at sales and how to be effective and and, and do this thing so anyways i'm kind of rambling having a stream of consciousness now but that's yeah definitely some big announcements there no man no you know thank you for opening up and being transparent about this because this is the conversations i love the most honestly because too many times and it's one of the reasons i even got into podcasting is because i wanted to have different conversations for myself one two and then spread out different you know different stories that people just aren't talking about, right? Because too many times people feel like, hey, I gotta go to college just to get something done. And I respect that and definitely do um, wanna see you, you know, walk through everything that you're thinking about doing as far as getting your higher levels of education. With that, as a guy who did go to college, but I played around in college. Like I was there, but I wasn't really in it. You know, I was there just for, I was there for the parties. I was there so I could host them. I mean, I was there for all the wrong reasons, right? That's why I was in college for so many years. And I was starting businesses while I was in college and I was working and, you know, college was like my third priority, right? After chasing girls and after having my own business and then college, right? So I can really appreciate your story because it's so many people's story that they don't feel like they can bring a valuable point to this conversation, right? And to me, it's important because people feel like, man, I don't have a college degree. I, I can't. I can't really get to the money like that unless I launch my own business and do like a Mark Zuckerberg type of, you know, yeah, one of those yeah, type of stores. Right, right. Yeah, you know, maybe right, I blow yeah. up, you know, trying to sell some MLM or something, you know, and, and but yeah, yeah. but really there's a real path to making quality income for you and your family right. through B2B sales. And right. like and you know, finding the right leadership to help you navigate that is crucial. And it I think that um, and you could tell me if I'm off here, but your pops being in sales already, I'm sure had some input into how you understood that process of going about selling because yep. too many times I see my friends launch businesses and it'll be great ideas, great products, you know, or things that they're trying to work at and trying to solve right. real problems. And I'm like, there's no system behind what they're up to. There's no rhyme or reason or, you know, I'm like, so you're just going to post it and then you're going to build it and then they come, right? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to spend some, you know, ad bucks and then all of a sudden it's going to blow. It's like, Boom, but, it's automatic, right? Automatic. Yeah. And it's like, you know, but there's a real, there's a real art form and there's a real skill set that you have to develop to right. have those conversations, to understand what the real problem is, the mm -hmm. why is right behind the why's, right? Right. And then the process of just going through it and having the mindset to kind of staying on the actual track. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I think that you got that a lot of other people probably didn't get while they were out partying like myself. They were at my little functions, right? Yeah, you right, were out right. there really learning those skills. So I love both. Yeah, yeah, no. And it, I, and it was it, when you do something because you want to do it, obviously you do it better, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, the thing that was different for me is I, I wanted to be great at sales because I knew uh, yeah, I knew at a young age, obviously, that um, it's one of those careers that it's one of those high, highest paying careers or positions you, you can have 100%. in the world, right? Um, because that commission component, it's not like teaching or engineering or a lot of other professions where you're kind of fixed or you kind of have like a fixed schedule in terms of how you you know, your money evolves over time. If I was a software developer, I'm gonna have a fixed salary unless I get on with a startup company. I'm probably gonna have that same salary with some MBOs around it maybe. Mm -hmm. And that's gonna be my pay structure indefinitely. Right. Whereas with sales, if you work really hard and you land the right deals and you know, you maneuver effectively, 
then you're making obscene amount of money, right? right. And I've seen reps who've made way, that's the, I, I took the management path early, right? Okay. And anybody who's been in sales uh, knows that managers don't make the most money. It's the reps that make the most money. They come in at 250% of plan while you are coming at 110 because you have three, four other six, the people at 60% or 20% quota, right? They're slacking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you see that one person coming in. And um, so anyways, I think uh, B2B did, did that for me. And that's why I have a, a, a big passion for it, man, is um, I, I was a young black man with major responsibilities. I was a total statistic and I um, got lucky, quite frankly, but I made the most of the opportunities that, that were available to me and I worked really hard. And yeah, a lot of that was kind of uh, pushed upon me through pops and just kind of see that impression that I had coming up. But that's why I'm passionate about leadership. And that's why I'm passionate about coaching and de developing. That's why I'm passionate about helping other people find a way in B2B sales outside of, you know, what are their other path of MLMs and whatever things they're trying to do and say, hey, you know what? You have an, there is an opportunity here. There's a door here where you can change your life. You can leave that Starbucks position or Target, you know, whatever retail position you might be working at. You're working at uh, Foot Locker in the mall and you, you're really good with people and you got that gift to gab. If, if you have the brains behind it and the work ethic behind that and you're willing to be mentored, coached, developed and heed some direction, you know, kind of start from that beginning point again. Um, then you, you apply that in particularly in tech sales. It's where I come, you know, I, I, my, my area is software and hardware sales. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, you can change your life. You know, I mean, that's, I think that's, that's what B2B is for. And right now I don't have the statistics in front of me and I wish I did. Uh, but I, I know if I'm, if I'm guessing, I think we're somewhere in around 3% of the, of the, of the employment uh, of the staff, if you will, or the employees in uh, tech sales or B2B, right? And majority of people in there are white or Asian men. Um, so yeah, I think it would be a beautiful thing with what's happening today. Guys like ourselves, um, black men in business to business sales, you know, try and create that channel for other young black men that are looking to change their life. Uh, the way that 100%. it's changed ours, right? Hundred percent, man. I mean, I mean, you know, I did see a stat that said there's only about three percent of like black CEOs and the, the Fortune 500 companies, I believe. And 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 you know, if you just think about leadership in itself, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had my dog going crazy down there, man, chewing <laughs> on something. <laughs> but, but so, um, literally, if, if you just think about leadership in itself, right? Leadership. Um, and then having people in the room that look like you, that understand some of your background, some of your story, it makes the interview easier, just yeah. period. Yeah. Just, I mean, and I know it sounds like, oh man, that's that's some obvious stuff, but it's not obvious because it's not happening. Let's just keep it, uh, keep it real with that. And, and so, you know, I saw a, a couple of different posts. One was talking about how most of the tech investors are white and you know of course you know it's the valley um and and then well i mean the, yeah please look yeah. at wealth in general yes, I mean, that, yes. look at wealth in general across yeah. the united states and i think it's 110 trillion that white households carry compared to the seven trillion that black households have mm -hmm. so yeah when you uh, that statistic is relevant in this vc world whether it's you know private capital or you know venture capital it's yeah that's where the money is and um, so we can't be too surprised by that, right? right. I think that's the, the thing is, how can we affect that? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, when you're going in these interviews, yeah, it's, it's, it, I would be lying if I would, if I said I wasn't in my head a little bit sitting across the table from someone that doesn't look like me. And yeah, I would be lying if I said that there has been times across my career where I was working with people who didn't look like me and they made it obvious to me. And this shit happens, man. Mm -hmm. um, the, the the subtleties, the passive racism, the you know the jokes, yeah. uh, it, 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 it happens, you know what I mean? And so I, you can't help but think that that doesn't emerge in decision-making when it comes to hiring. And uh, so I think that's that's just the reality. And, and a lot of, in, in B2B today, and just in, in, in corporate America, there's a lot of uh, who you know in terms of 
you know, building out businesses. If you're going to a startup land, that's how most startups happen, right? They have a, a network of people right. that came from a different company, maybe that was did, did really well. Um, that's kind of how that's kind of the Zoom background. The the, the founder of Zoom, uh, he was at uh, Webex and as an as a VP of engineering before you know, I think it's before the Cisco acquisition, and then you know started Zoom. But anyways. Um, that uh, I guess we're on is that there's just not a lot of diversity when it comes to black men in business, business sales. Right. And I think that's, there's an opportunity to, to do something about that. So I don't know. I think with my background, I, I would, I would hope to be able to at some point be able to help young black guys in terms of training and developing and finding opportunities around, you know, in, in this world, right. We, we have a network, we have a network and, uh, of, of businesses and associates that are open-minded, that are at, work at good companies. Uh, they may not be black, may be black, but want to diversify their, their staff a little bit. I think there has to be a concerted effort there. Companies have to be proactive in that regard. And I don't mean the, 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 the shameless, you know, let's use a black person or ad right now because yeah, it's the hot right. thing to do. Right, you know, right, right, I mean, right. but really, if you like, let's, let's, let's start by eliminating people who have decision-making power that have bias. Right. I think mm -hmm. that's where oppression happens in, in corporate America is that we knowingly put people who have biased opinions in positions of power. And then you wonder why your staff your, or your sales org isn't very diverse. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so maybe it has there's there's more due diligence that has to happen in terms of qualifying people at executive levels for businesses. Right. Um, if you want to be truly conscious about it, if you truly want to be equal employment opportunists, then you know, I think that's, that's, we have to start at the mindset of people because when we train salespeople, we train mindset. It's one right. of the first things you train is mindset, right? Mm -hmm. How do you develop motivation? How do you sustain your motivation? How do you deal with rejection, self-talk? You, how do you maintain, you know, the, the, uh, the effort, which is the second component that we train salespeople on is, you know, activity and all those things right? the science of sales. But, um, yeah, I think the mindset has to be we have to visit that from a decision-making standpoint if we want to affect change in corporate America. And that's kind of, you know, as I, you and I have been talking prior to this recording is, is that's where we, we ended up. We, we would talk about a lot of the things about selling and uh, entrepreneurship, but I think we, given the climate today, it, it would behoove us, you know, we, could, we have to address the issue that's in front of us in our world today. Um, in, in, in corporate America and tech environments, I'm very often the only black person in the company. And yeah, me too, man. Me too. I mean, it's, he, you know, it, it's pretty wild too, right? Like that, you know, I'm, I'm sure you got other friends, other black guys who are in like B2Bs, you know, yeah, atmospheres yeah, yeah. Yep. and, and they probably are one of the only people at the table as well, I would imagine, you know? Um, and so why do you think that a lot of, uh, a lot of us don't really look towards that direction? Cause I think the marketing roles, they're, they're a little bit more populated with us for sure. I mean, at least right. that's what I see. Um, yeah. um, and there's other roles, right. That, 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 that we tend to kind of mm -hmm. gravitate towards, but engineering is one as well. I think engineers kind of gravitate towards that as well. I mean, there needs to be more of course, but I see more of us getting involved with these different aspects, but yeah, I think there's yeah. a, already a sprinkling of, of color in corporate America, generally speaking right. across all the sectors, right. Whether it's tech finance, all those sectors, um, there's only a sprinkling. And I think a lot of black folks end up in industrial roles, right? I think we, we don't go into corporate America, right? Uh, a lot of municipal work and a lot of black people are working in government roles, mm -hmm. right? Uh, a lot in healthcare. So yep. I think, I don't, I don't know why that is. I mean, I, I, we could speculate and kind of go do a history lesson on why black people, you know, end up in certain industries and it's not new to us, right? I yeah. think if we go back under over centuries and other cons uh, where there was oppression, oppressed people, those oppressed people typically fell into certain industries, right? Whereas the not oppressed people, I don't know, the unoppressed people mm -hmm. um, were in dominant industries. And that was just the way things worked. Right. Um, so it's not, it's not new to us. I mean, it's not, we're not unique or, and we're not special in that regard, but uh, I think we, it, it, if, if, we can, if we continue with that mold, then we'll never acquire the influence, the wealth, and we won't 
close that divide. It'll never be perfectly equal, I don't think. It's just right. a reality that I think we have to face. We're, we are literally a minority population, not necessarily just because of skin color, but you know, we're 15% of this population. Right. And so, um, but we should have equal treatment, right? Equal opportunities. Um, so, but I think it, it, it really is up to black people to help fix that problem too. We can't expect, um, you know, the, the, the white man in corporate America to do that for us, right? And it's up to people who are, are on that side like us to sort of reach out to people in our network or make that opportunity unknown because a lot of people don't go into corporate America because they think they can't, right? They don't think that they're gonna, they're, it's a white man's world. I'm not gonna fit in, I'm not gonna do well. You know, I don't wanna sell out. You know, there's a lot of stigmas around that. And um, I mean, that's what I faced, right? I would get off work in my slacks and my tie or something when I worked at Rise and I go around my boys that were working, not working in corporate America, you know, and they're super casual. And, you know, it's just, and so the, the jokes ensue about, hey, you know, how, and come on, you know, the Uncle Tom jokes. Of course, whatever, of course. Whatever, right? All yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. kicks off, right? And it's all love, <laughs> but it's, but that's, that's kind of the mentality. I it think plays into it though. It has an plays impact. plays into it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, go, I'm not going to go work for the man. And like, look, if you think about it in terms of um, like, you could become the man, I think is yes. the point. And we can have more over time. It's going to take time. And I think that's the thing. That's the, the, the piece of the recipe that are not enough people are talking about right now. Yes. Yeah. We want things now, 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 now. And in order for us to close the divide, it's going to take time just like when you cook anything else right you got to let this thing bake mm -hmm. you gotta mix it all together we got to get legislation we got to get nonprofit groups working bipartisan cooperation, lobbying got to raise some capital that. yep yep all yep. Of that has to happen mm -hmm. but then you have to put it in the oven and let it cook yes. for 20 50 years yeah and then look back and say over generations and say yeah you know i followed through with what grandpa derek started you yeah. know what I mean? And, and, and here, here we are at a different time, and the statistics are looking much better. Um, so I, I think we, we definitely want to, and I love a lot of the change I'm seeing now. But, um, but I think just kind of bringing it back to adding more color to corporate America, it's it's definitely you know building alliances with people who are open minded. I love that companies are. I, did you see what happened at Reddit? No, what happened? What, you know, you know, you know, you, you know, Reddit. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. There, uh, I think he was a CEO or mm -hmm. uh, I forget his title. I know the headline. Um, he was either a CEO or some, you know, some uh, some board member. He stepped down. He retired from his position, hmm. and he he suggested to the board that they fill it. Yeah, he was CEO. He he stepped down. He suggested that they fill it with a black man. A week later, Reddit fills that vacancy with a black man. Right now, that's a little bit different, right? That's not going out. Let's find a black CEO so mm -hmm. we can, you know, meet our minority business owned checkbox. Mm -hmm. You know, like you know, this is a little bit different. There was someone who says, look, as a white man, who's been tremendously successful. You know, it's like when you're in, in line at the grocery store and someone has one item, uh, you have one item and they have a whole cart full of things. That's what I saw that as. And they say, hey, no, you go ahead of me. No big deal. I mean, it was to me profound to see that that's the level of like sacrifice that we need from the other side to affect change, right? We need them to you know, maybe step out of line so we can step up, right? Yeah. That's real talk, you know? It is. Um, that's crazy, then, man. I mean, you know, I didn't even hear about that, honestly. But but to me, you know, based off just kind of how we kind of vibed in the past too, man, it's just, it's that. It's like, that is it. And I was, I've been talking about it with a lot of other people just on like, you know, conference calls and just, you know, chopping up regular. And, you know, a lot of times my initial response to everything was, of course, you know, I was upset and then I was numb, you know, then I was upset, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you go through this little thing where it it's is, like, yeah. you know, where it's like, like a emotional straight, roller coaster, emotional yeah. roller coaster, but it is this marathon, man. It's a marathon that you gotta be in. And, you know, to see this change come through, my whole take on it now after having let it sit for a good 18 days or however long it's been is like, man, finding people that have similar values. Right. And I got no right. time for people that don't have similar values. It's, it's, I, got, 
I got. I mean, I mean, like, so much no time. I'm not even sure if they even exist to me anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not even sure how they got there, and I, and I'm not trying to sell them on it. Like, I like I'm not trying I'm to not sure how they got there. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, you know, wherever you are, Mars, hang out on Mars, man. It's cool. You know, that's for you. But the people that understand this conversation and can hear it and say, you know, what diversity is what we need here. We need to have some different thoughts and voices in the conversation because that makes us better. It makes right. us stronger and we understand what's happening here in the US. And let's be honest, America's tanning. Like there's more cultures, there's Asians, there's Hispanics. And it's, yeah. I mean, and so if you don't get people to the table to understand what it means to be inclusive and understand their backgrounds on a real level, not just on some lip service, right? right. Like, on, like, like really try to have empathy to put yourself in the position to say, oh, that's why this is upsetting, or that's why this joke is, is kind of off base, or that's why this kind of offends this person. If you're not willing to take it there enough to have empathy to where you can move into action, then that's fine. And we don't have to work with them, or we don't have to kind of try to sell them on this idea. But the people that get this, and this is what's so cool about this moment, people are getting it. Like the guy yeah. stepping down is a real action play. That's not, right. you know, like, I mean, like, that's a guy saying, hey, I'm going to take a hit in my pocket. And I probably made good money already. Yeah. But still. Yeah, that's <laughs> my point. Exactly. Yeah. But, 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 but still, you know, like, even though. It's full. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, did, he didn't yeah. have to do it. Like, he didn't have to do right. anything. Yep. So, But the people that yep. are willing to and looking for opportunities, now is a great time for people to understand that, man, B2B is a good place to play because Thank most you. CEOs have a sales background. And. Yep. Yeah. Sales and leadership to me go hand in hand. I mean, like, because you're trying to impact change, you want people to see things that they might didn't see previously or they didn't understand previously. So, so you know, I mean, bringing it back to you, man, and we're getting ready to wrap up because, you know, yeah. Saturday, and I think that we're going to have more of these conversations. I'm not going to blow away uh, your whole weekend with absolutely. them. But, but, but tell me your whole, your whole take on leadership right now in this mm -hmm. moment as like a sales manager. Like, how would you maybe educate or help other sales managers like myself to say, hey, this is how you might want to think about playing this actual time in the uh, US. Yeah, wow, that's a, I mean, A, we have a, a leadership crisis across the board. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we have to come to terms with what we're facing and you know, admit that we have a problem before we get into the tactical approach. Um, from the president down to homes, you know, into, in, into the home, right, we have leadership crisis, whether mm -hmm. you look across local government um, and, 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 and uh, law enforcement to, and I, I don't know your views, yeah, but I'll yeah. call it what it is. But at the top of the, at the top, we're, we're in a big problem. So <clears throat> I think there's this, yeah, I think what we're missing is uh, I was watching, uh, I'll, I'll layer it into to the management side of things, but I was watching the documentary on uh, Robert Kennedy and when you go back and you kind of watch the path that he took and some of the things that he went through in that that era, it's that compassion is what we're was what we're missing, right? Mm. Um, I have literally no compassion at the top right now, and you boil that down into the home, back into the into an individual sales team. I think that compassion with COVID started that. There were a, there's a lot of people in sales positions that are wondering why. Why haven't they adjusted my quota? Why are they still expecting to make as many calls as before? Why, 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 why? And you, I, I saw it. And, um, you know, there's this, and I, and I have friends that are, <clears throat> that I talk to on a regular basis that are in sales roles. And they're talking about this, that, you know, nobody knows how, there's no COVID-19 playbook, right? No. That you could pull out from the, <laughs> the archives and say, oh, <laughs> this is what we do when <laughs> pandemics hit. You know, nobody alive today has had to sell through what we're selling through right now. And then right. you, they were in the George Floyd protests and everything that's ensued from there. Uh, this It's a unique opportunity for leaders to, um, I would say managers to emerge into leaders for individual contributors, you know, peers to be peer leaders, people who don't have the title of leadership. This is a time to be a leader right now. And if you aspire to be in leadership, then this is a time to kind of show that stripe, you know, earn those stripes, right? Um, so check in on your fellow man, right? Uh, how are you doing? I mean, asking people how they're doing and actually making things about them and taking the time to understand what's happening in a person's life 
you, you'd be surprised how far that goes. And, and a lot of managers who were spread thin, they got a number to hit, they have all these meetings they're running around to, they got to turn in, you know, quotas, they got to revise the comp plan, readjust territories, they have to inspect deals. I have no time to sit down with someone one-on-one -on -one and say, how the hell are you doing? How are you, how are you affected by this? What are your thoughts? Educate me right let me humble myself to you a little bit and understand what your perspective is on, on this issue and then let's work together once we have that common ground to figure out how we can make the most of the, the environment that, that we're in today because you know in leadership there's it comes down to two areas right it's environmental conditions right and and talent like it's the people they you, you those are the two areas you focus on and Right now, it's time to really create environmental conditions that are filled with empathy and compassion, that are focused on learning, mm -hmm. right? The, the leaders that are uh, holding the bar with no explanation are killing morale. Yeah. Uh, leaders that are holding the bar, but explaining why the bar is being maintained and why they think it's possible, and they're helping kind of get to that bar during this unique time, are actually building more credibility, building more morale with the team that they, they had before. So this tragedy, this crisis is an opportunity for people to make, you know, the most out of morale. You can actually build more morale, I think right now, All right, You can actually bring the team closer together. Yeah. When I was at the last company, um, you know, I was, I was laid off during, during COVID uh, at the beginning of April mm -hmm. and so this is, you know, I had a month and a half, two months of trying to hit the number at the end of the, you know, Q, Q1 while this is happening. Wow. And, um, you know, but I noticed that the camaraderie amongst the teams, there, there was an, an elevated, you know, everybody's at home and we have this common language about, you know, Corona and COVID yeah. and we're showing where we all work and live. I mean, you had a unique insight into people's lives now. Um, right. And so I think and it created a different conversation. So I think if managed appropriately right now, you can really do some great things from a morale and culture standpoint, you can destroy it. And I think real, the reality is I think there's more leaders, unfortunately today that are freaking out by what's happening. They're worried about their job because yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're not able to forecast effectively. They're not, they're not able to deliver on the number P they're the board is you know, still holding the line with them. And so it's, you know, kind of goes downhill from there. So I, I think that's that's where I don't have one game plan for leaders right now. I think it's just you have to connect with your people. You have to really, you know, especially if you have marginalized employees in your base right now, you need to have that conversation, man. Like you can't be afraid of it. I know you may be a grizzled white man, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and, and never had to deal with this straight up. I, you had a couple of buddies in college that were black and you got a couple of buddies <laughs> in the military that were black and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and so you think. Prepared. And that's, trust me, it's not enough. Right? I like, like Little John, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I listen to hip hop, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm in it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, man, I mean, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I was no, going to go say, man. Go ahead. And I was going to say, honestly, I, I think that's that's the best place, man. And, and you know, I almost want to put a pin in it because I know that means you could do this for like another two hours. But, 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 but like, honestly, this whole idea, and you said something, I had to write it down this is a perfect time for leadership to earn their stripes. This is it. Like people look for these opportunities, people talk the talk, but then when it's time to hit the pavement and really deal right. with a crisis situation, it's not time to, you know, cower back. And look, I'm, I'm not telling yeah. you that it's, it, you're not, you don't have to come in like you, like you know it all. Right. It's not time to kind of play like Dion Warwick and act like you can come up with, you know, how it's going to look in the future and everything else, right? Nobody mm -hmm. knows, but that's that's the best part. Nobody knows. So so your guess, that's the is, leadership piece is the fact that we're all flying blind, but you're at the front mm -hmm. and you're going to fly first. You're going to yep. lead the pack. And, you know, whatever I see out ahead, I'm going to relay back, et cetera. And I think that's what I think haunts a lot of leaders. I've been a manager for a long time. Just that brave heart leadership that we all want to be. I think every manager aspires to be that person that inspires people. People don't want to be managed. People don't want to be led. They want to be inspired. And that's, that's stressful because if you don't feel if you're good at inspiring people, you kind of cower back and you fall back into spreadsheets and you do other things. Um, so I think that this putting yourself out there 
and letting people know that I'm, I, I'm trying, I'm doing my best, being human, man. I think that's the most important thing, right? Just allow yourself to be vulnerable, be human, allow yourself to fail in front of your people, and they will, they'll pick you back up, right? I mean, if you have a good group of people that you've hired and developed as a leader right now, it's time to just kind of step out in the front and, and do your best, right? Make the calls with the reps, be, on, be in those meetings, right? Be on the front line, learn from this experience, and um, do what you can for your team. I mean, that, that's, that's really it. I don't think we should overcomplicate it. You know, and a lot of people want to rewrite their whole messaging. They want to <laughs> innovate their product. They want to yeah. fire and hire. Yeah. Like, just, just connect just right now. Thousand percent, brother. I mean, I mean, man, you know, um, that's it, man. Because when you have that trust with your team, you can move quick. So everything right. else happens quick. So if you got to pivot, it's quicker, right? I mean, because people will say, oh, I trust Derek, what he's telling me is definitely fact. So I don't have to go run questions through my own self-talk and ask myself other things. Is he being honest? Is there some more behind it? Is it straight politics? Am I about to be fired? You know, like, because those are the things that everybody's asking anyway. Exactly. And so if I can go to my manager and say, Derek, where are we? I know I'm not on quota because everything is going on. You know, normally I produce, but I'm not. Where do I stand with the company? Right? If, right. if you can have that conversation, yep. boom. To reassure people, exactly, exactly. It changes, man. So, well, let's like you said, man. Let's 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 pick it up again. Let's and, do it, man. Uh, you know, I, I obviously I wish you all luck with the show, man. I I, I I'm glad we were able, finally able to do this. Absolutely. Um, I've seen some a lot of the episodes, man, and I'm a big fan. So uh, happy to help in any way I can. Appreciate you turning in, man. So please tell everybody kind of how to find you though, because I know you're on LinkedIn, and we obviously uh, chat on uh, IG. But I'll let you plug away. Yeah, IG is like the main hub right now, so it's Derek is Three Link Sales. I know it's got a long handle, but you know, it's I'm, I had to brand it. So Derek is Three Link Sales, uh, and then I'm all over every other social platform. So if you type in Three Link Sales on YouTube, you'll find me. If you type in Derek is Three Link on Twitter, you'll find me. TikTok. Um, Ah, you got me. I am on TikTok, but yeah. I haven't recorded a video yet. I have. Uh, I, I, I had a party trick I, re- I uploaded, and I was like, nah, I'm not ready to. It's too so early. No, I, it's too early. Hundred billion valuation. You see that? Hundred billion TikTok right now. These guys. That's crazy. Ridiculous. I didn't know that. Yeah, like that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm. I'm. That's just Derek is three link sales. Uh, look me up and. Uh, yeah, threelinksales.com is the website. I help companies do sales development implementation, sales development improvement. So I come in as a contractor, do assessments, design, recruit, train, manage uh, on a temporary basis for companies. 100%. Well, Derek, love having you on the show, man. Look forward to yeah. having you back. All right, guys, we're out. Have a great Saturday. Yep.